Hi, this is Dr. Christopher Perrin, and welcome to this episode of The Christopher Perrin Show. In this episode, we're going to look at the relationship between the liberal arts and our humanity and democracy. The liberal arts. Many people don't really know what the liberal arts are. We know the phrase, and many of us have gone to a liberal arts college and maybe even uh, took a liberal arts major, but we can't really tell you the names of the liberal arts. It's plural, so there must be more than one. What are the liberal arts? You know, it's, it's almost an echo of an echo. We, we, we hear the word liberal arts and we think well-rounded, um, those things that you study when you don't want a job. Yeah, that's a joke. We, we think of English literature, but that actually traditionally is not one of the liberal arts. We might think, well, history, of course, is one of the liberal arts, but no, history is not one of the liberal arts either. But you say, but I was a history minor in college and I, I know I went to a liberal arts college, so I, certainly it must be one of the liberal arts. Uh, you can ask sometimes, and I've done this occasionally, professors, even who are at a liberal arts college or university, to name the liberal arts, and it's few who can name them. Well, certainly philosophy is one of the liberal arts, right? You studied some philosophy in college. That was one of the liberal arts. Well, no, the liberal arts led to the study of philosophy, but philosophy itself was not one of the liberal arts. Well, well then what are they? <laughs> I would just say that literature and history and philosophy are very important disciplines. And yes, they are very much related to the liberal arts. You might call them playgrounds of the liberal arts, or what the liberal arts lead us to, because in history, in literature, in philosophy are contained great libraries of wisdom that help us to grow in wisdom and to become virtuous, to acquire human excellence, excellence of thought and humanity. That's why you will find these particular disciplines often in the humanities section of your college. By the way, all of, all, all of the liberal arts, and I'll just tell you now, in case you didn't know, there were seven of them. All seven of the liberal arts were considered to be necessary for your humanitas. In other words, they were all humanities arts. And notice I haven't called them humanities subjects. What is the difference between, say, a subject and an art? Or I haven't called them either the liberal sciences why aren't they the liberal sciences? Well, what is the difference between a science and an art? So if I were to ask you to name the liberal arts, could you? Okay, some of you can, are saying, well, yes, I can. I can tell you that the first three were traditionally known as grammar, logic, and rhetoric. The three liberal arts of language. And you would be right. But if I were to ask you this follow-up question, why are they called arts? Could you answer that question? Pausing for your response. Just imagine that now you're on camera and you're giving an answer to the viewing public. Why are they called arts and not sciences? Or if I were to ask you, what is a science? Could you define that please? And then compare it to an art and tell us how they are like and different. Okay, some of your some of you, your knees are getting wobbly at this point. 
Some of you maybe have been able to answer that question, but but then another question, why are they called liberal? Why are they called the liberal arts? This is not a political designation, by the way. Okay, some of you know the answers to these questions, and thank you for bearing with me, but some of you are now curious. You want to know, well, first of all, what were they? Because, doggone you went to a liberal arts college and you don't even know the names of the arts. Well, they were grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And uh, these were the arts of verbal reasoning and thinking. There were generalizable skills that helped you to do virtually anything that involved words. Grammar was the study of how words mean, how to interpret them, study of the, the relationships between words and sentences, the parts of a speech, the way words work together to make phrases and sentences and sentences, uh, ideas, paragraphs. And we make all kinds of things with words. It was a study of interpreting co correctly and precisely and accurately and well and writing in the same way, using words. Grammar comes from this word. Grama was a Greek word, which simply meant letter. So it was a study of your letters. And as I've already said, letters form words and words form phrases and phrases form sentences and sentences form ideas. And humans communicate ideas like justice and courage and temperance using words. And the better we can use words, the better we can think, the better we can communicate our ideas and also receive ideas and understand ideas from others. And then logic was a second liberal art, typically studied after grammar. And it was a study of human reasoning, how reasoning works, how it works well, how, how ideas can be propositions that lead to necessary conclusions. The syllogism, which the word syllogism simply means with reason, our reason can lead us to conclusions that must follow if these reasons are stated in a particular kind of way or sequence. For example, the famous example, uh, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore it must follow if Socrates indeed is a man and all men are indeed mortal, that Socrates is mortal. That's a syllogism. There's all kinds of other syllogisms, all kinds of other ways that we use reason to come to conclusions about what is true, given a certain set of preceding propositions and statements. And logic can also be the study of the way things go awry, the way reason goes awry. We study the logical fallacies when we want to look at the ways we can sometimes be self-deceived, sometimes deceived by others, and sometimes ourselves deceive others with fallacious reasoning. We need to know how our reasoning can go awry. A common example would be when you get a good argument in front of you and you decide that because you're, the argument that you're hearing is pretty persuasive, but you don't, want to, you don't want to acquiesce, you'll just start to trash talk the arguer and, let, and distract from the argument. That's called the ad hominem fallacy, where you abuse the person and distract from the actual argument. That's logic. And then there's rhetoric. And rhetoric is the study of how we put words and logic and reasoning uh, together in a harmonious way to persuade others of what is true, good, and beautiful. To quote Cicero, to instruct 
to move and to delight our hearers. Sometimes we can win an argument, but still lose the person. And rhetoric is a study involves some psychology, actually, of how we move a person, instruct a person, but also move that person to a kind of belief or action. And in the process, please our audience, delight our audience with well-spoken, well-turned phrases. These three things only human beings do. Human beings alone use grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And so this is why the study of the verbal arts of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, sometimes called the trivium, is inherent to what it means to be a human being and to become to become skilled in these three liberal arts is to enable you to become more fully excellent, more fully flourishing as a human being. Hence, the Latin word for education was sometimes humanitas, and these three arts were humanities arts. Well, let's just pause for a moment because I've, I've now shared with you the three liberal arts of grammar, logic, and rhetoric. But you don't know why they're called arts. You don't know why they're called liberal yet. Well, they were called arts. Well, does someone want to give an answer? Again, you're on the spot. You're before the camera now in a wide audience. Why are they called arts? Well, you know the word art has to do with making something made, an artifact, and an artist makes art. Well, as a liberal, liberal artist, what does one make? Well. One makes things out of words. What do you make with words? Pausing again. What do we make with words? Lots of things. I'm making something with words. I'm making a podcast with words. Making a speech with words. I'm making a lecture with words. But humans can make poems with words, novels with words, political speeches with words, funeral eulogies with words, aphorisms and jokes. With words, anything that involves speech and language involves words. And when is this not a helpful, practical skill, as well as just blessing you as a human being? When, do you, when is it not helpful to be able to use words well? From the mundane to the most important aspects of our existence, we use words. And to use them well is not only a blessing to ourselves, but a benefit to all who know us and hear us. So we, they're called arts because we make things with these arts. Why are they called liberal? Pausing again, you're before the camera. Why do we call these arts liberal? Thank you for your imaginative answers. Li liberal comes from the word liber in Latin, which means free. It's because these arts free us liberate us, enable us to realize our potential as hum human beings who speak and write and listen and use words. Uh, this is These arts are free arts for free people or for people who want to become free as human beings, not just free in, in, the, in the governmental sense or in the political sense, but free in the most profoundly human sense to be able to do as do and think as we would wish to. For example, imagine if you could not, if you were illiterate, you could not read or write, and you want to buy your first important, well, let's just say it's a home. You want to buy a home and you've been saving up for years 
and a contract is put in front of you to sign that describes the terms, a very complicated contract indeed, of your purchase, the bundle of rights you're going to acquire when you purchase this home. Several pages, many pages, and you should read them carefully because if you don't read the fine print, something bad could happen to you. And so, what do you do? You have someone else read it for you and you trust them because you're not free yourself to make your own decision to evaluate the contract on your own. And you simply put an X where your signature would otherwise go. Let me ask you, how free are you if you're illiterate in this culture? So the liberal arts give us freedom. They are the liberating arts. They make us more human. And you are a liberal artist, whether you know it or not. You're either a good one or a poor one or somewhere in between. Because human beings use words. And therefore, you make things with words already. And you're either doing that well or poorly or somewhere in between. You make arguments. Might be an argument with your friends about which movie you should see tonight, but you make arguments, you use reason, and you're either doing it well, poorly, or somewhere in between. You seek to persuade your friends. You seek to persuade your colleagues. You're already engaged in rhetoric. You're either doing it well, you're doing it poorly, or somewhere in between. But you are a liberal artist. Well, of course, one thing we have left undiscussed so far is the remaining four liberal arts. Do you know them? The first three were called the trivium, the threefold way of grammar, logic, and rhetoric. That tri means three, like the tri and tricycle. Vium means way or road. So it's a, a, a three-way, a threefold road. Where is that road headed? It's headed to wisdom. It's headed to human excellence or virtue. But there was another road called the quadrivium, the fourfold road. And by the way, these seven liberal arts were essentially codified by about 500 AD. They've been around in various forms long before that, but kind of settled as seven around 500 AD. Augustine had, had almost all seven of them listed himself in you know, around 400 AD. Well, the quadrivium involved the mathematical arts, the arts of number, because we make things with number as well. We weigh, we, we try to examine the quantity of things as well as the quality of things. We want to know mass, extension, weight, velocity. We study motion and shape. And so these mathematical arts involve traditionally arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, and music. Now, astronomy, arithmetic are discrete numbers, uh, geometry, discrete shapes, the study, the study of figures and shapes. Astronomy is the study of shapes in motion or continuous shape, shapes in motion, a kind of continuity there. And then music was a study, you might say, of numbers in motion, ratios. And so we have these remarkable mathematical arts that enable us to quantify the world, to measure the world. And they set us free as well. And they all help also help us to make things with numbers. We weave, we ponder, we weigh with numbers as well. Only human beings use word and number. Only human beings can be described 
as liberal artists. And as we've already said, this is how we enjoy and flourish as human beings by mastering and studying these liberal arts that enable us to do so much more in life. They were considered to be the precursors, the foundational study for everything that would come later, including the study of literature. Although literature would be studied all along, the liberal arts give us access to the great books that would involve English literature, novels, poetry, epics, etc. Literature, history included there as well. Even the great works of science like Newton's Principia, say. And these liberal arts enabled us also to acquire eventually philosophy and study philosophy, which is that asking the questions of how all things relate and cohere. It was, after all, the love of wisdom, philosophia. So there you have it. The liberal arts are at play in English literature. They're at play in history. They're at play in poetry. They're at play in the great mathematical proofs and mathematical writings and scientific writings from, 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 from centuries past down to up and up to our own period. And they're at play in the study of philosophy and theology. But the liberal arts were those preliminary arts that we needed to study in order to even do science. And so let me be, let that be my concluding word. Scientia, science, meant a, a body of knowledge that was coherent governed by certain principles and laws and uh, coherent enough to be described as a single study like biology, the study of living things. We can't really do a science and even create a new science unless we have studied the liberal arts. Now we can do this, but will we do it well? We do it so much better when we have mastered the art of number and the art of words. The trivium and the quadrivium, the liberal arts that liberate us to do what humans love and want to do. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I look forward to seeing you later on another episode. Thanks for watching.